Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. There needs to be a deliberate cadence in your interview process. So just like a first date, you wouldn't roll up to a first date and say, you know, I'd like you to complete this sexual survey before we get going here. And if I like your answers, we'll continue the date. Now, it may work on some people, but the question you have to ask yourself is, who exactly are you weeding out? And the answer, my friend, are your A players. Today, we're talking about the pros and cons of screening mechanisms and the proper order to deploy them to keep people engaged. I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. We help entrepreneurs and executives land great hires. We share insights from top-performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry experts like our guest today, Mr. Joel Patterson. Joel is the founder of The Vested Group which is a business technology consulting firm in Dallas, Texas, and Forbes book author of The Big Commitment, Solving the Mysteries of Your ERP Implementation. In 2011, Patterson founded The Vested Group, which focuses on bringing comprehensive cloud-based management solutions to startups and well-established businesses alike. Joel has hired hundreds of engineers and consultants in his business and learned a lot about what works in the interview process, which is what makes Joel the perfect expert for today's topic. Joel, welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show today. Thank you, Rick. Good to be here. Good to see you. Pleasure to have you. Good to see you as well. We're going to talk about a couple of things. We're going to discuss why a proper cadence is so critical in keeping top talent engaged. And then we're going to set a correct sequence in order to avoid triggering fight or flight in top talent. Sound like a plan? With your opening question there, I think that would definitely induce a fight. <laughs> <laughs> the response. Hey, it probably has worked for somebody. I don't know who, but... But you're right. Yeah. yeah. Playing the numbers. Exactly. Let's talk a little bit about the challenge today. You, like a lot of entrepreneurs, have had the challenge of trying to streamline your interview process in order for you to save your time. As a result, what has that done for you? Well, our industry that we work in has a lot of turnover. So it's important for us to make sure that we are using our time effectively and bringing on people that are going to last. We definitely don't just hire for the short term. We're a culture first organization and want to make sure the people that we bring on board are more than just a skill set fit. They've got to be a cultural fit. They've got to understand what we're trying to do, where we're going. They believe in our core values and our purpose. And all of those things go into the hiring process. So each one of those really impacts us as a real bottom line impact as well. Okay. What have you implemented in order for you to save time or make sure that you're bringing people through the process that are culturally aligned? Yeah, the problem we ran into quite a few years ago was we were spending an inordinate amount of time talking to people that weren't going to be a fit. And we would try different methods. And the one that ultimately stuck for us is asking a candidate, no matter how we recruited them, to send us a two-minute video. And we intentionally leave it pretty vague. We just say, hey, send us a video, two-minute length, tell us why you would be a good fit at the Vested Group. And what we found, or probably doing that at least five years now, what we found is it's not what you learn after watching one or two videos. It's what you learn after watching 10 or 20 in that you start to see a difference in how they prepare, have they looked at your website, do they reference core values, do they demonstrate that they've done a little bit of research. And what it really
really did was allow us to weed out the people that either refused to do it or weren't able to complete the task. I mean, you'd be surprised how many people these days even really don't seem to understand how to record a video and then don't follow up with doing a Google search, figuring out how to record a video. And so we really use that as an opportunity to get to know them and see what their characteristics are before we actually invest the time to bring them in or to do a video screen with our other employees. So the people that are typically doing our interviews are billable consultants. And so it costs real money to take them off of whatever it is that they're working on and focus on recruiting. So we want to be very respectful of their time. Got it. You and I talked about this prior too. You're like, you probably hate that, don't you? And I don't hate it, but I don't love it. I would argue that you're probably screening out really, really good people too, because especially if you're hiring engineers, it's really uncomfortable for a lot of people to be recording a video. I've done it before and I don't like recording my own one-way videos where I'm not interacting with somebody. Yeah, I'm with you. I feel the same way. It's not fun. And we do hire a lot of engineers, software developers, and it is an issue. You're absolutely right. And things that you've brought up so far during our pre-interviews and actually taking them back and talk to some other people about it as well. And it's definitely good food for thought. I still yeah. love the video, but it's worth a good conversation. So this brings into question, we can debate this, it'll be kind of fun. But at what point do you actually do these things? Because I feel like as I've gone through a lot of interviews and coaching and bringing people through a hiring process with numerous clients, what I found was that when people are engaged and they're really interested in your company, they do much better. So you get a much more accurate picture of who the person is and whether or not they're going to be able to perform at your company. But there are people that are out there that are really good that probably could be engaged, but they just haven't connected your company with where it is they're looking to go. So they're just feeling things out or trying to get an understanding of what's happening. I find passive candidate, passive talent is very much like this. They might do some research on who you are to talk to you, but a lot of them won't do a video interview, especially a one-way. I've tried that before too with one of our clients and we abandoned it really quickly. Yeah, it's not for everyone. I yeah. would agree with that. The risk that you present is real. It's a matter of balancing that against how you feel with the time that you invest on ones that aren't going to be good. And you've definitely given me enough feedback that I'm going to start thinking about that a little bit more. But as we've gone through it, we've had people that clearly were not going to be able to get through the interview process because they couldn't even get the video. They couldn't actually get one to record for whatever reason. I'll give you an example. We had somebody that applied for a position just a couple of days ago, an entry-level position. This is right out of college. And I've seen a lot of those videos and they're different when they're college grad versus somebody that's got 20 years experience. But this guy was actually really funny. So he started the video, came in from off screen, jumped over his sofa, sat down and started giving his spiel. And for me, when I see that, I'm like, hey, this is an A player. I feel like this guy actually put some thought into how his intro was going to be, which is even better than what most people do. Sometimes people go above and beyond and put their name in there or something about themselves actually in a caption or something. This guy actually thought through how he was going to, almost like a monologue going into it. And so when I see that, and then I compare that to something where somebody submitted where they didn't do anything special, it separates you. And I'm a big believer in our business when we're selling, especially, you got to leave a mark. Somehow you got to be able to leave a mark. And this really gives people an opportunity to be unique, to be creative. So if we can get them past that initial trepidation, I think it does actually tell us a lot more about them than just a simple two-minute video where they're saying whatever it is that they're saying. With your business, you're client interfacing. So you need people who yeah. can get in front of clients and make an impression. So that person made an impression on you. That's part of what the business needs. Absolutely. Yeah. And it shows creativity. We are a ERP implementation firm. So for those of your listeners that don't know what that is, I mean, you think about enterprise software. Most companies know what Quick 
QuickBooks is. The small company, they're running QuickBooks. When they get bigger and they need to grow and maybe do something that QuickBooks can't support, they would call us. And so it's really important that we are able to speak business, that we are able to get in front of executives because what we're doing is really changing their entire organization. And so we don't just look for IT professionals. We need people that can communicate, that have interpersonal skills. Now we do certainly have the stereotypical people that are introverts and developers and don't really want to interact with people. And we have a place for them. But the majority of our people are working with clients every single day and need to be able to be credible, professional. That requires a certain level of art versus science, of creativity and just unique thought. So when we're screening people, that is part of what we're looking for when we look at the video. But I'll also tell you that the video isn't the be all end all. If somebody gives us a bad video, if they have anything that is interesting to say or any kind of perspective, we're going to bring them in or at least do a screening next. But I also had a guy that submitted for a sales position a couple of weeks ago and he got our company name wrong twice in the video. So clearly <laughs> a guy that's in sales, if you can't even get the name of the company right, we're not going to move you to the next step. Yeah, that's a big faux pas. <laughs> yeah. Setting up this screening tool, why has it been important to your company? What has it done for the business? It really has saved us time. I think that's the biggest thing. First yeah. of all, for us, turnover is very expensive. We estimate that our replacement cost is about 150 grand, somewhere in that area anyway, because we've got the recruiting costs, but really it's around replacing that person on the projects that they're already working on and having to invest time to get the new person up to speed. So it's not insignificant. So that's one thing. It allows us to make sure that we are really thinking through the costs associated with turnover and taking that hiring process very seriously. And then the other piece is something I mentioned earlier around the people that are actually doing the interviewing and who are ultimately making the hiring and firing decisions. That's the people they'll be working with. That's our billable consultants. And so being able to prevent wasted time for them, it really is real money because you've got two or three people sitting in there talking to an interviewee, and that might be a total of 500 bucks an hour that's sitting there. And if we present candidates that aren't worthy of that kind of investment, we're wasting everybody's time. Now, you mentioned that you're culture-driven. How are you evaluating people against your culture? So we have six core values that we make all of our hiring and firing decisions on. And Very good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're serious about that. People these days, depending on the organizations you're talking to, some people take that stuff very seriously and some don't at all. And for us, it means something. I mean, we talk about it daily in our company. By the way, most don't at all. They just have their words on a wall. Yes, that's exactly right. It's unfortunate because it can make an impact. It does make an impact. Yeah, for sure. And that's how we qualify for the culture. But really, another way that we look at this is we have something we call a Sunday test. And this wasn't our idea. I stole this from somewhere. But really, it's when you're interviewing somebody, you want to ask yourself if the person sitting across the table from me was part of the team and they gave me a call on a Sunday and said, hey, I've got this deadline. I've got a big problem. I need you to help me. Will you please, on your day off, come on in? And your response to that really says a lot about whether or not they're going to match the culture. If it's a no, then by all means, they're out. That's a feeling. It's not something you can necessarily put a score together and make that decision. It's really, how does this person make me feel? Do they inspire me? Can I learn something from them? All those things go into our culture to make sure that we are promoting a growth mindset across the board. And so we take it seriously incorporated in all of our conversations. As you should. All right. You're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm your host, Rick Gerard. And for our podcast listeners, we're going to take a quick educational moment from our sponsors. 
Hey, check out stridesearch.com. There you'll find additional content and resources to help you land great hires. Our guest today is Joel Patterson. He's the founder of The Vested Group. And we're discussing the proper timing for screening and setting up screenings to make sure that you're maximizing your people's time to make sure that you're finding the right people and hiring the right people. I'm going to pose a question to you because before we delve into how you set everything up, the question that always bothered me in doing things like this up front was, what are you setting up the process for? Are you losing that top 20% of people who don't have time to do the interview? And the thing that kept coming back in my head was, well, you're setting the frame for it being a transactional process. Is it really value-driven for me? And am I going to give you an accurate picture of who I am? If it's a quick video interview and it's working for you, great. But the question would be, how are you then engaging the person to get them to buy in? Yeah. So obviously recruiting is a sales job in a lot of ways. You've got to convince that person. Everything's that, a sales job, my friend. <laughs> yeah, that's Apparently. true. We want to make sure that they want to be here. They got to have that want to, otherwise it's not going to work out. And so when we go through our process, what we do is, like I said, we start with the video. I will caveat this one way is when we have a referral from an employee or maybe from a client, sometimes we will skip the video step if there's a reason why we already think that they're going to be a great fit. But I'd say 90% of the people that come through our process do a video. So we do the video and that's the main area that I'm responsible for. With our recruiting manager, she and I sit down and we'll watch the video together and then make the determination if we're going to move to the next step. If it's a yes, then she's going to reach out and do a phone screening. And then it probably gets into more of a traditional flow that you're used to. She'll do a 30 to 45 minute phone screening. And then we do two pre-COVID, we would do two in-person interviews on different days. We want to catch them differently. You know how it is. How your day has gone is going to impact everything. So we want to give them an opportunity to shine multiple times or if they had a rough day and got in an accident on the way there, we can recognize that. But they'll come in and we'll have them interview with at least two to three people on our team of different skill sets, different experience levels. And what I always encourage our interviewees to do is treat it like if you're familiar with an AMA on Reddit and ask me anything, I want them to really feel like they can talk to anybody that they talk to and ask them any question that is important to them. And that could be a lot of things that have nothing to do with the job. Tell me about my supervisor or tell me about how you guys are on a Friday afternoon, anything like that so that they can not only help us understand them, but in my mind, they should be interviewing us as well. Absolutely. And by giving them different levels of people and experience, it allows them to understand where we are along the entire flow and not just at a certain level. So that piece is really important. And then the final thing that we do is a case study. And I would describe the case study sort of like we do the video in that there's no right or wrong. It is really a matter of seeing how this person attacks a problem that they're presented with and comes up with a credible argument. And we don't even care if it makes sense. They can make up facts if they want. But again, as you go through multiple case studies, you start to pick up on how some people solve problems a little differently. So or, it's basically a problem solving test is what you're Yeah, it okay. really is. Got I mean, it. it's a business scenario, but we intentionally leave information out of the scenario. They have to make a couple of things. The funny thing is when you get an accountant in, as an example, if we're interviewing an accountant, they hate making up values because you have to make up a, I think it's a revenue number or, or something. They just won't do it. <laughs> 
and that's a credit to their profession, I suppose. But it's just interesting how even something as small as that, you pick up these differences along the way of how people look at things completely differently. Personally, I kind of like that. If we were all the same, business isn't going to go anywhere. You got to have some differences in order to drive it forward. And so that, that's just another way for us to see that. Okay. So we got the one-way video interview that goes to a phone screen. What are you guys looking for in a phone screen? Really talking about their dreams, their aspirations, trying to understand what they hate to do. Some of the things that really aren't necessarily job specific, but it's what's important to them. But that matters. That helps with positioning. That's where a lot of companies fail is that they get so geeked up on the fact that I've got a person out of XYZ company who I think they're going to crush. They've got the skills I'm looking for. But what that person wants to do is entirely different than what your organization is. So you invest a lot of time into people, but that phone screen is such a underutilized tool. So it's great that you guys are doing that. And it's got to be from somebody that knows what they're doing. They've got to have a good sense of people and understand where they're coming from. Like in sales, there's the adage of you can't get no fast enough. I feel the same way about recruiting. If this is not a fit, no problem. That's nobody's fault. That's all right. Move on. Find out as quickly as possible rather than bringing somebody down the path. If they're from out of town, we got to bring them in and put them up for a couple of days. I mean, there's a lot of stuff tied to it. So it's important to weed those people out quickly. Well, you know, it's important to realize for a lot of our listeners is that when you ask people what they want to do outside of your organization, if you could design your next role from scratch, what would that look like for you? And they give you what they desire. And if it matches with your company, then that's somebody that you really want to make sure that you connect the dots for and bring them through the process. But most of the time they'll say something, well, you know, my ideal scenario would be a big comp package with 401k, maybe a large company where I'm just responsible for something. But a lot of those people sometimes get through the interview process because they have the skills. And like you just said, saving that time is super critical. For sure. And they also may just be really good at interviewing. That can be a problem as well because you get some level of expectation from that interview and then they show up day one and they aren't anything like that. It's certainly a risk. Well, it's either they're really good at interviewing or the hiring managers are really bad at interviewing because I send people to interviews where the feedback has been, yeah, we talked about uh, golf for an hour. Yeah. You know, I'll be honest with you. I never considered myself a great interviewer. I catch myself doing two things. Either A, I'm just selling the whole time because I want them to know how great our company is, or I'm doing that and I get off on a tangent and I'm just yapping about something that really has nothing to do with the job. It helps me develop some interpersonal skills with them or relationships with them, but it doesn't really help me qualify whether or not they're good for the company. Can I give you a suggestion for that? Build your interview questions and then whoever is interviewer number one, two, three, four, whatever, wherever you fall into line, you have assigned interview questions and make them designed toward your company values so that you're extracting the evidence to make sure that you're in alignment with that. And that way you don't have people asking the same, where do you want to be in five years? Dumb question, right? Like the same four people asking that. Makes it easy on you too, because you really don't have to think that much about it. (laughs) Right, right. What am I going to ask him next? Yeah, I I have this problem. I always like it to a trip to Home Depot. When I go to Home Depot, I can't think of a single thing that I need to buy. But when I'm at home, I've got 18 different things that are there. I just go completely brain dead when I walk in the door. So having a <laughs> list of those kind of things, yeah, would go a long way for me. Very, very true. I find it makes your life that much easier. And you don't have to prepare that much, right? You could just, you have your questions, you just have a conversation. Yeah. And I really like the questions around, tell me what you don't like, kind of in the same vein as what you were just describing a minute ago about, I want a great comp package and everything else. I want to hear, 
characteristics about them. Our job really at the end of the day is solving problems. We go in with our clients and they've got an issue and we're trying to solve that problem. So we need people that are curious. We need people that really enjoy that satisfaction of checking a box and knowing they completed something like that, or they've found a solution to a complex problem for a client. And you can really learn a lot from people just by what do you see as your strengths? Are you a learner? What kind of things do you really enjoy doing outside of work? Because a lot of times we hired a new sales VP about a year ago. And this is a guy who about five years ago, and he's 35 or so, about five years ago, took up team roping. What's team roping? There's a header and a footer. The guys that come out of the chute in the rodeos and they, oh, okay. they last with the head. And so he took that up <laughs> as an adult and was competing nationally. I'm in California. We don't have that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Texas, we got lots of it. I'm thinking Uh, about somebody who's on a surfboard trying to rope somebody else. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's probably about as hard. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't doubt Uh, it. But you see something like that in a candidate that's in sales and you know they've got a competitive spirit. They don't want to lose. You can really pick up a lot from something that's really personal. Yeah. So your interview process, video, one-way screening tool first. Then you do the phone screen to understand whether or not somebody aligns with your corporate values. Then you do your video interviews, and then the case study. That's what's working for you guys. That's awesome. We've had really good success with that. It's taken us a while to get to that level. Any shorter than that, we found that we weren't getting enough. Even if we're trying to push somebody through quickly, we've really made a big deal about you've got to follow the process. Even if we've got somebody that we need staffed on a project in two weeks, you've got to follow the process. Otherwise, it's not going to be consistent for you. Awesome. All right. Well, we're running pretty short on time. What would be two or three key takeaways you can give the audience so they can plug into their business today? It's pretty easy. The number one thing is what we talked about already, core values and purpose. You got to be able to provide people purpose right out of the gate, because even if you do a great job of recruiting and bring on the best people, if you bring them on and they don't have anything to do, you're going to lose them quickly. They're going to get bored and you've got to make sure that the culture gets injected in them and that they are off and running. The remote situation these days is very unique. We've had one bad hire from this already because we didn't take the strictly remote conversation into account. It's just, I don't know how to fix that yet, but I know it's a thing. And so if you're doing where you're used to interviewing in person and now you're only doing it on video, just take that into account and be intentional about the things that you consider because it's different. You don't have that. You can't read body language as much and you don't have the rapport building that you get on the buildup. And then for us, once you do have them close, really transition to more of a coaching sort of situation. Get them engaged with people that are going to be working with them when they actually start. And you'll really find that at least we've found that people are excited to be here. They land day one and ready to go. Uh, But really it all starts with the video. So we can debate that all day long. But for us, it all starts with making sure we got a good video. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Amen. Yes, sir. (laughs) Well, we're just about out of time for today's show. Joel, thanks so much for your time investment today and welcome to the Higher Power Radio community. Now, what would be the best way in which members of our audience could reach you, find out more about you and your company? Yeah, the easiest way is joelpatterson.com because you can get to our company. We're called The Vested Group. But if you go to joelpatterson.com, you'll find everything that you need and we'd love to talk to you. Awesome. All right. I want to thank our listening audience for tuning into this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, Brian Colburn, Andrea Ballin, and Ayla Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. We welcome your feedback after all this show is for you. So we just want to continue in 2021 to make this the greatest show for you entrepreneurs. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Higher, H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O.com. Or you can drop me an email at rickatstridesearch.com. Tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Rod Robertson. He's the founder and manager partner of Briggs Capital. I'm your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. 
Thank you for listening to Higher Power Radio. Catch our LinkedIn Live show every Tuesday at noon or download the podcast on iHeartRadio, iTunes, YouTube, or your favorite podcast platform. We appreciate you joining us on Higher Power Radio with your guide to recruitment success. Rick Turner.